0: Maybe you might remember Australia's Funniest Home Video Show. Yeah, yeah. Why do we find that stuff so funny? That, I, I personally, that's, that's gold right there, some of that stuff. I don't, I don't know if we laugh at people getting hurt as such. I mean, that's, no one really laughs at someone being in pain. But I think what's really funny is that the person in the video is expecting one thing to happen in actual fact something completely different happens yeah and and they don't they don't can't foresee what's about to happen of quite often watching the video we can see what's about to happen but the person in the video can't and that's what makes it so funny check this one out morning America's number one early morning news Mm, and proof this morning that laughter it really is the best medicine just ask this German daredevil. Yeah, the stunt heat plan didn't exactly go off without a hitch. So instead of cannonballing through the ice, now the stuntman slammed into a virtually frozen solid pool. Ouch. Heine first. Wow. Oh, his heels couldn't have felt good either. Cool. Apparently, uh, his pain didn't last for too long. Once his friends started cracking up, uh, he joined them. So so he falls through the ice, and then what happens? I guess the idea was that it was thin and he was just going to. The something. idea is that it was a bad He was going to break, and yeah, no, it was a bad idea, absolutely. <laughs> 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 oh, oh. Whoa, ouch. We grimace, and yet we also laugh. Now, I will say that guy wasn't actually hurt in that. If you watch the extended video, he gets up and he cracks up with the rest of his friends. And uh, we can all laugh at that. But why is that funny? Well, he, he was, for some reason, he was expecting that when he jumped, the ice would break and it'd make a big splash. Whether it was past experience, maybe he'd done this before... And in the the last time he did it, the ice broke and it was all good and very funny. So he decided, right, this time it's going to be great. I'm going to set up the video camera this time. And uh, we're so glad he did because it didn't work out the way that he had hoped. You see, we rely on past experiences to kind of inform us of what's going to happen if we do it again. We rely on lots of other things too. For instance, maps. Who here has been lost while traveling, yeah, 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 who here has been lost while traveling even though they had a map with them, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know, so this happened to Chantelle and I, we were traveling with some friends who were in this room, but I won't mention any names, um, we were traveling and uh, we were looking for a hotel late at night, it was a new hotel on a new road, the new off-ramp off the highway, none of which were on the map that we had, And so, of course, we were lost, there were tears, and and it was all good. We did find it in the end. But quite often, even the things that we think are so reliable, like a map, actually fail us, don't they? We rely on a whole heap of things. Relationships, money, employment, health, all these things that we can rely on, and yet not really one of them is 100% reliable. Not one of them will be perfectly reliable. You know, there was a guy in the Bible called Job, and, and he had heaps of possessions, he was really wealthy, and he lost it all. And, and he, but he stuck through with God, he held on to God through it all, and in the end, God rewarded him and, and gave him back twice as much as what he had before. But he had a mate called Bildad, and Bildad made this observation... He said, Such is the destiny of all who forget God. So perishes the hope of the godless. What they trust in is fragile. What they rely on is a spider's web. They lean on the web, but it gives way. They cling to it, but it does not hold. He was saying, Unless you have God, anything else is kind of like leaning on a spider's web, it's not reliable. It's not going to work out. The only thing that we can put 100% of our trust in without fail is God. Isn't it funny then that the only thing that we can fully rely on is something that we cannot see? We find it easy to trust in things we can see. We find it very hard to trust in things we cannot see. And yet what we cannot see is the thing that we need to rely on the most. The New Testament talks about this a fair bit, and, and Paul writes a letter to the church in Corinth, and he says this, he says, so we fix our eyes not what on, on what is seen, because what is seen is temporary. No, he said we fix our eyes on what is unseen, because what is unseen is eternal. What is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. Now, if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, then you trust in something that is unseen. You do. You you have this level of trust in something that you cannot see in God. If you're here today and you don't follow Jesus, and that's awesome, it's so great to have you, We love having you here. And perhaps this next conversation that we're about to have will simply shed some light on what it is to be a Christian and to be a follower of Jesus and maybe help you grasp what that means. But can I encourage you, if you're in that place today, just keep asking questions. Keep asking questions like, what is faith? What is faith? Well, the writer of the book of Hebrews said this. He said, Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance in what we do not see. Assurance in what we do not see. Faith is trusting and having confidence in something that we do not see. Now, we're in this uh, series called Life, Money, Hope. And um, I was thinking through what this means for this series and. And I just couldn't think of a better thread that runs through all three of these things than that of faith and trust. You see, I believe that the Bible says that we cannot have true, fully abundant life unless we trust in the unseen. I believe the Bible tells us that we cannot fully use money in the way that it's designed to be used and fully do that in an honouring way, unless we trust in the unseen. I believe the Bible tells us that we, we have no hope unless we trust in the unseen. So this is a big part of this series that we're going through at the moment. Now, before we go any further, I just want to say that I don't consider myself an expert in this at all. I don't walk on water. I'm just, just saying, putting it out there, I just feel like God has put in my heart, simply to share with you this morning what He's been teaching me over the last couple of months, and, and hopefully for some of you that will resonate, and hopefully it'll help, and hopefully you can come on this journey with me. Well, as I'm thinking through this, a question pops into my mind. The question is, is there such a thing as having too much trust in God? Is there such a thing as having too much trust in God? Well, I think if you believe in God and if you believe that He is who He says He is, then the answer to that question would have to be no. Of course, there's no such thing as having too much trust in God. That's the answer I came up with. But that kind of leads to another question which is far more challenging, I think. A question is, well, what part of your life Do you need to trust God more in now? If you can't have too much trust in God, where is your next step of faith? Where do you need to grow in that area? And that actually leads to another question, I think, and that is, why don't people take another step of faith? What stops us from trusting in God more? And as I thought about this question, I thought the only Yeah, only conclusion I could come up with, and you might you might have a different answer, but the only thing I could come up with is that we're too fond of the comfort of control. Comfort of control. You see, we trust in things that we can see, because at some level we think we have control over them, or at some lot of control. And quite often we do have control over these things, but we like it, don't we? We like being in control. It gives us comfort. It's comfortable to be in control. So to give that control over to somebody else is a scary thing for us to do. It puts us in a very uncomfortable position and we don't like being uncomfortable. When we're talking about trusting God then, I think the questions that come up in our minds are questions like, what if God asked me to do something that I'm not comfortable doing? Or, or what if God asked me to sacrifice something that I really really don't want to give up? Or oh, oh, I would ask God where my next step of faith is, but what if He says it's in my giving and I'm saving up for this thing that I really want... But, and so I, I, don't, well, I probably won't ask, just in case. These are the questions, I think, that run through our mind, whether we know it or not, it's because we don't like being out of control in any area of our lives. But you know what? The Bible tells us that God knows that we need things. He knows what we need. He knows what we want. He knows us intimately. He knows what our desires and our hopes and our dreams are. In a very famous verse, he says uh, Jesus says that seek first his kingdom and all these things will be given to you as well. That's a really well known verse and, and we use it a lot and it's um, very appropriate for this conversation. But as I was looking into it, man, I zoomed out of this verse and I read it as part of the conversation that Jesus was actually having. And it means so much more. So I'm going to do that with you today. So if you want to turn to your Bibles in Matthew chapter 6, we're going to go through it and um, we're going to see what this verse really, really means for us today. And. Um, and uh, you can open it up on your phones or if you've got a Bible there or if you're participating online, you can look it up. But you know, Matthew chapter 6, right at the start of this chapter, this is a part of the Sermon on the Mount, a very famous sermon that Jesus taught. Right at the start of chapter 6, he talks about giving to the needy or, or giving to the poor, or people less fortunate than yourself. He says that's a great thing to do, but what he says is don't do it in such a way that makes a performance out of it. Yeah? He says, don't make it in such a way that you look good to other people. Because it's not about how you look to other people. It's about what God sees. Because if verse 4, it says, the father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So that makes sense. Yep, that's cool. Then he talks about prayer, and he says pretty much the same thing about prayer. He says, don't pray in such a way that other people see you as some sort of special, you know, fancy religious person who has it all together. Prayer is not about what other people see. It's about what God sees. And in verse 6, he says, the Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Are you picking up on a theme here? Good, good. Because he goes on to talk about fasting. And he says, don't fast in such a way that, you know, you screw up your face and you you pretend or you put on this big act that you're suffering really heaps and you're going through this huge sacrifice. Because it's not about what other people see. It's about what God sees. Because in verse 18, he says, The Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. See, Jesus is saying it's not about what other people see, it's about what God sees. There is a difference between what we normally see and what God sees. He moves on, he he talks about treasures, and this is the part I love. He says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, seen, because that's where moth and rust decay and thieves steal, temporary, temporary. He says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, unseen, where moths and rust don't decay and where thieves can't steal. Eternal. Yeah? Seen, unseen. Temporary, eternal. I'm reading through this, and then this next part, I come across and I think, Jesus you've gone on a tangent, you've done the typical preacher thing, you've gone way off here, you're t- starting to talk about something else, what has happened? Okay, I think preachers have you know, permission to go off topic a bit, and maybe Jesus did that this time. Uh, but, you know what, I stopped, and I've learned that if something seems a bit out of place in the Bible, or if something seems a bit weird... We can't just push them aside and skip over them. You know, sometimes they're the things that we can learn the most from. They're the things, if we're willing to put the time and work into figuring out what they mean, sometimes that's where we can learn the most. So he moves on, he says, "'The eye is the lamp of the body. "'If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. "'But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. "'If then the light within you is darkness, "'how great is that darkness?' And he says, you cannot serve both God and money. Well, we're talking about the seen and the unseen. Of course, Jesus is going to talk about what we see with our eyes. What's he saying? He's saying that we have a choice. We can choose what to see. We can choose to see the scene. We can choose to see what everyone else sees and what everyone else cares about. But that is like looking at darkness, letting darkness in our eyes and letting darkness fill us up. Or we have the choice to see the unseen, to see what God sees, to prioritize what God cares about. And that is like looking at light and letting light through our eyes and fill us up. How good is that? Then he says, You can't serve both God and money. He, he says, you have to make a choice. He says, you cannot serve both the unseen and the seen. He, says, he doesn't say you shouldn't. He says you cannot. I wonder how many people in this room this morning are trying as best they can to serve both the unseen and the seen when Jesus told us himself that it cannot be done. He then moves on. He says, therefore, in other words, take everything that I've just said into account, and he says, therefore, don't worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink. He says, check out that little bird over there. God looks after that little bird. How much more would he look after you? He says, don't worry about what you're going to wear. He said, take a look at that beautiful field of flowers. Look at the colours on those things. If God can dress flowers up to be so beautiful, how much more will He dress up us to be beautiful? We don't have to dress up for God. We don't have to dress up like we're all holy and we're good and we're, we're worthy and all that. We don't have to dress up because Jesus dresses us with the holiness and the purity that God requires to have a relationship with us. He says, don't worry about these things. He says, the pagans, that is, people who don't trust in God, they chase after these things because they don't have anything else. And he says, but your father knows that you need these things. He knows that you need them. He's not blind. He knows you don't have to worry. And then, he says, but seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, the unseen. And all these other things, the seen will be given to you as well. If we prioritize the unseen in our lives, God will take care of the seen. He wants us to be less concerned about ourselves less concerned about what other people see, less concerned about the seen, and more concerned about Jesus, more concerned about others, more concerned about His kingdom, the unseen. He wants us to be more Jesus-centered and others-focused, if you want to put it that way. Okay. So we know that jumping off a rock into a pool... And, and trusting the unseen is, is a good, good idea. How do we know? How do we know that the ice is going to break and that I'm not going to land really hard on my butt and cane myself in front of a video camera for YouTube to laugh at forever to come? How do I know that that ice is actually going to break? How do I actually know that God is worthy of my trust? How do I know the ice is going to break? Well, let me summarize for you the God that I trust. He created the universe, it's a hundred billion galaxies and counting, with just His words. With just His words. He took a young man who had been rejected and sold into slavery by his very own family and brought him up to be the second in charge over all Egypt. He used an 80-year-old man with a stutter to lead over a million people out of slavery, out of Egypt. He led them with fire and cloud. He split the sea so that he could walk right through it. He fed a million people for 40 years, literally with food falling from the sky. He, took, he used a, an army of desert dwellers with nothing more than marching around and making a big song and dance at the end of it to cause the walls of an entire city to collapse. He used a young man, a young shepherd boy, to become the greatest human king Israel has ever seen. He used a young woman to prevent the slaughter of the entire Jewish nation by the Persians. That is the God that I trust. He turned water into wine. He fed thousands of people with just some bread and some fish. He calmed a storm. He walked on water. He gave sight to the blind. He gave hearing to the deaf. He, he helped paraplegics walk again. He rose people back from the dead with just his words. In a matter of three days, years, three years, he trained a group of random nobodies with little education and absolutely no money to help start the process of bringing his kingdom to earth and flip the course of history right on its head. He allowed himself to go through the greatest of tortures out of love for the very people who were doing the torturing. That is the God that I trust. Daylight disappeared when he died. But he rose again before sunrise three days later. That is the God that I trust. Is it the God that you trust? Is there anyone else there that agrees with me? (laughs) His followers grew exponentially despite intense persecution. So much so that within a few centuries, the most important and influential person in the known world became a follower. He was the inspiration behind the first hospital, the first orphanage, the first welfare system, the first university, the first sewage system, the abolition of slavery, the printing press, incredible architecture, artistic masters, musical geniuses, film legends, world leaders, technology giants. That is the God that I trust. He knows how many hairs are on my head. He knows how many grains of sand are on the beach. He knows how many cells are in my body. He knows how many humans have ever existed. He knows how many stars are in the sky because he put them there with just his words. That is the God that I trust. Is he the God that you trust? If he is, you simply have to believe that he is always good, he is ever reliable. He's full of love and grace towards each one of us. And he is worthy of our trust. Church, the ice will break. But we have to jump first. The ice will break. But we have to jump first. What is it for you? What is it for you? Perhaps... Perhaps there's no coincidence that God laid this message on my heart to share with you in this time of giving and considering what we're giving financially as contribution to this church over the next 12 months. Perhaps for some people here, there's no coincidence. And maybe God is tapping you on the shoulder and saying, Trust me more. Perhaps for some here today, it's Time. And serving perhaps God is saying to you today trust me more perhaps for some people today it's baptism we have a great opportunity in just a couple of weeks to be baptized maybe for you that is where God is saying trust me more or maybe you're tossing up about this whole hope partner thing and whether you want to commit more seriously to the life of door of hope and be a part of our community here in a in a stronger way maybe today God is saying to you trust me more perhaps you know that you really should invite that friend along to church or invite them to an alpha course but you just haven't quite plucked up the courage yet perhaps today it's that's for you God might be whispering trust me sometimes I think we, we come up against mountains in our lives it, sometimes it feels like we're standing at the base of Mount Everest and we're looking up and we're just thinking I have no gear I have no experience or training, how am I going to get over this well God doesn't actually expect us to climb every mountain our God can move mountains right out of the way Jesus said this. He said, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will be done. Nothing will be impossible for you. Do you believe that our unseen God can move mountains? Jesus believed it. He said it again only a chapter later. He said, If you have faith and do not doubt, you can say this to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and it will be done. Maybe it's that for you today. Maybe you're facing a mountain and God right now is tapping you on the shoulder saying, trust me more. Trust me more. Or maybe, as I mentioned earlier, maybe you're here and you don't even know God and and you don't even know that He exists. Well, can I encourage you? He's not afraid of questions. If you're willing, maybe you just ask Him. God, If you are real, would you help me to see the unseen? Whatever it is for you today, I've asked Ben to come and sing this next song over us. It's a song that has been really inspiring to me over the last couple of months in this area. And I just think it's got a real opportunity to inspire each and every one of you as well in this as we go. So as the team plays this kind of over us, would you have the courage to ask God where is it God where do you want me to take my next step of faith yeah what a beautiful song beautiful song well I believe that God has spoken to some of you today perhaps for some of you you're still asking questions and Maybe there aren't any answers for you yet, and that's, that's fine. I encourage you to keep pressing into God to find out what He has in store for you. But for some others here today, perhaps you have heard God's whisper, say, trust me more, in a particular area of your life. Remember, we can never have too much trust in God. It doesn't matter if we're eight or 88. It doesn't matter if we've been a follower of Jesus for a long, long time or if we don't, can't even call ourselves that yet. There's, there's no limit to the trust that we can put in our God. The ice will break. You have to jump. Jump. So I'm not going to ask you to do anything crazy or scary or uncomfortable right now, but I will ask everyone to stand. Because we're going to sing a part of this song again together, all together. It's really easy. You can follow along. And perhaps as we're singing this, if you want to just make a commitment to God that in this area of your life, you are going to step out in faith now. Why don't you hold your hands out in front of you? You're not going to be the only one. I'm going to be doing it. There's going to be people all around. And this is a posture of both release and receiving. It's it's a posture that says, God, I trust you. I want to hand over control of this area of my life. And I receive you. I, I want to take your courage that you put in me. And I want to take that. I want to walk in that today. So we're going to sing this now over again. And would you step out in faith with me this morning.